My guest in today's episode of Outta Insights is Rudy Heineke, Outta State Capture expert. Rudy, thanks for joining me again for a recap of the last two weeks and all the developments in the fight back against those who looted South Africa through state capture. Good afternoon, Ilse. Uh, nice talking to you again. Rudy, the big breaking news this week is the German investigation into the German company T-Systems, owned by Deutsche Telekom, which is partly owned by the German government. In the Daily Maverick article reporting on this, there's also a big photograph of Salim Issa. Please explain to us where T-Systems fit into the state capture picture and how is Salim Issa linked to all of this? T-Systems had a contract with uh, Transnet uh, and later on also with ESCOM. And, the, and this contract was extended a few times. Uh, insiders told me that it was done with the help of Salim Essa. Now what was found by Shadow World Investigations is that there are um, communication and emails and correspondence between uh, T-Systems and Gupta-related companies like Zestilor and Sichaba. Zestilor, of course, a company that was owned by Salim Essa's wife, uh, and they uh, received a lot of money from T-Systems. Uh, kickbacks that has been paid, and I think, you know, the bulk of the, uh, the, the income for Zestilor was just from T-Systems. And during the state capture years, T-Systems, um, uh, you know, their contract has been extended a few times. And later on, you know, after the Guptas left, uh, T-Systems South Africa was bought over by Kajima, and um, then the contract lapsed. But it was, it's very interesting that the T-Systems contract was extended so many times. And the, 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 the value of the contract was also, um, you know, uh, pushed up by millions of rands. And uh, at the end of the day, Zestilor and Sechaba received a lot of money from T-Systems. T-Systems stand by it that they won't condone corruption. Yet Paul Holden from Shadow World Investigations found that T-Systems was the second largest beneficiary of state capture. They received a whopping 12.3 billion via ISCOM and Transnet contracts. And like I said, T-Systems, uh, the parent company of T-Systems is Deutsche Telekom, partly owned by the German government. This is a big embarrassment, making Germany the second country implicated in state capture. The other one is, of course, the government of China, who scored big money from Transnet locomotives manufactured by their state-owned company, Chinese Railway Rolling Stock Corporation, or CRRC. Uh, and that transaction has been brought to the world's attention by Alta. How can T-Systems claim innocence? They were only sold to Kajima in 2020. Yeah, um, you know, it is... It is uh really breathtaking to hear what uh, T-Systems replied on uh, the questions put to them. Um, you know, it is, it is a fact that they were involved. There's, a, there's, there's enough evidence, um, uh, you know, found in the Gupta leaks as well, where there's uh, multiple times where T-Systems um, corresponded with uh, a certain Mr. Chobi uh, of Sechaba, and Sechaba was owned by Sahara Computers. 
So to say that they were never involved or that they were not in business with the Guptas or Gupta-associated companies is, uh, is absolute nonsense and a lie. Uh, one other thing that is quite important, and you have touched on it, Ilse, is that this is now the second state-owned company that, you know, uh, who, who, who's involved with corruption, uh, doing business with a state-owned company in South Africa. Like you've said, the other one, CRRC, a state-owned company who sold in China, who sold the locomotives to South Africa. And um, we have written to the president before, and we've also written to the Chinese authorities before uh, with regards to this. And what is quite um, you know, uh, unbelievable is that uh, this, these matters are not escalated to government-to-government talks. And that is quite disappointing. I mean, uh, we have seen that the uh, that President Ramaphosa has met with the German Chancellor uh, just the other day. Uh, there's continuous talks with BRICS leaders, of which China is one. And although they know about this, and although this is common knowledge, uh, it's not escalated from you know to a government-to-government talks. Rudy, I know Alta wrote to the Chinese ambassador in South Africa to bring the matter of the kickbacks on the Transnet locomotives to the Chinese government's attention. I want to know if our government can intervene to recoup any money from Germany and China and these state-owned companies that benefited from state capture, or is this a case of diplomacy first and country second? Well, I think first question, what can be done is that I am very sure that government-to-government talks can uh, result in the Chinese government doing their own investigations into their own state-owned entity and see if there was any wrongdoing. But there's no political will to do that, in my opinion. Uh, And that is why it is so difficult, even, you know, writing to the ambassador, the representative of of, of the Chinese government, uh, you know, just shutting us down and not doing anything about it. And then our, our government leaders and our president not escalating the matter as well is quite concerning. The second thing is that, um, you know, there's court cases ongoing between Transnet and CRRC, for example, where we are trying to, re- where, where Transnet is trying to review uh, these contracts to, um, uh, you know, ask the court to, 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 to declare the, the contracts null and void and to put the uh, parties in a position where they were when they closed these contracts. And we have to go to that extent and that length just to get these contracts sorted out. Uh, whereas if it was discussed on government-to-government level, and, and now again with Germany as well, I think that there, is a, uh, there would be a much faster, um, you know, result. Uh, on these on these matters and of course something like transnet having to take legal action means taxpayers will have to foot the bill absolutely every time that a state-owned entity or a, uh, a public institution takes somebody to court if it is for a pie application that they oppose or if it is for a big contract that uh, like the locomotives that they want to uh, set aside it is costing the taxpayer uh, you know that that's money coming from our from our taxes and um, it's money that can be spent uh, better in any other place, in any other uh, sector of South Africa than on court cases and, um, you know, lining the the pockets of the uh, uh, um, 
legal representatives. We are battling to record this podcast before load shedding hits, and I see that T-Systems made quite a lot of money from ESCOM. This is one of the many reasons why ESCOM is in such a financial mess. Can ESCOM try and recover money from T-Systems? Yes, Ilza, absolutely. Uh, but I think, you know, we're coming back to the same argument what, uh, that we just discussed now, is that ESCOM will have to fork out a lot of money on uh, uh, legal battles that they cannot afford, the taxpayer cannot afford. And this is a matter that can be escalated and that can be discussed between governments. Um, with regards to the biggest, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, benefit that was received by a uh, service provider to SOEs. Yes, that's absolutely true. The biggest beneficiary obviously was uh, the uh, Chinese locomotive companies. But at ESCOM, uh, T-Systems received contracts to the uh, tune of seven, just over 7 billion rand. And that was just for ESCOM. And one thing that we must keep in mind, of course, is that when these contracts back in the day at Transnet were extended, the Group CEO of Transnet was Brian Mulefe. When these contracts were extended at ESCOM, the Group CEO at ESCOM was Brian Mulefe. And that is quite interesting. Obviously, you know, with his C CFO on his side, Mr. Anosh Singh. And uh, from evidence that we have seen, uh, you know, uh, or, or retrieved from the Gupta Leaks and other sources, we know that um, there was a very close relationship between the Guptas and Mr. Mulefe, between the Guptas, Salim Essa and Mr. Anosh Singh. So it is not surprising to see that, you know, T-Systems earned a lot of money where these two guys were involved on the inside and where Salim Essa was, uh, you know, uh, acting as the rainmaker and getting these contracts extended with the help of his pals on the inside. Rudy, according to an article in Daily Maverick, T-Systems even tried to hire Salim Issa as a sales consultant. Can you shed more light on that? Yes, uh, that is absolutely true. If you, if you look at the correspondence between the parties, uh, you can uh, make that uh, assumption. The other thing is, is that I, uh, Mr. Paul Holden also testified at the Zondo Commission that um, he got hold of correspondence between T-Systems and, sorry, uh, uh, T-Systems internally, where it was said between the partners and, 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 and the, uh, the management that Mr. Essa looks a bit uh, exposed, politically exposed. Are we going to go with him? Are we going to do this? Uh, let's investigate him. And the investigation results that was laid before the T-Systems management was not, you know, what they expected. It was clear that Mr. Essa was exposed, that he was a politically exposed person, and that he uh, um, was not a good business partner. Uh, but still, T-Systems carried on with their relationship with uh, Sechaba and with Zestilor, with the help of Mr. Salim Essa. So I do think that T-Systems will have to you know, do a lot of explaining when it comes to a um, investigation done in Germany, and I thoroughly hope and I and I believe that you know they will do a good job, and that they will uh, go to extra lengths and 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 seek extra evidence to see what happened exactly, uh, you know, at T Systems internally. 
Lots of talk about the Magnitsky Act, an American act which refers to prosecutions for money laundering and unlawful transactions through American banking systems. But my question is, could money from T-Systems, for instance, be attached through the Magnitsky Act? Well, if there's still money flowing from T-Systems to the the accounts of um, the people who were sanctioned, the three uh, Gupta brothers and Mr. Salim Issa, then obviously it can be uh, attached. But I do think, you know, it is now so many years down the line that I do not believe that there's still any um, money that exchange hands between uh, T-Systems and uh, any of the Gupta companies or the ESA companies. So does this mean that no money can be recovered now, even if past transactions through American banks can be proven? It depends on uh, when the transactions took place. Uh, obviously, I think legally, uh, if the sanctions were not in place, uh, when the, you know, the money was exchanged between the parties, um, obviously, I do not think that they can recoup that. Only money that uh, flew between the parties um, and exchanged hands between the parties after the sanctions were, uh, were imposed. Rudy, please tell us more about Salim Issa. His name pops up everywhere in connection with state capture. And I remember a long time ago, you said to me that he is probably the main architect of state capture. Please tell us where he fits into the picture. Yes, I, I want to take it you know, a step or two back. Um, it was reported and I also heard the, uh, the interviews of Mr. Iqbal Sharma, where he said that he was actually the guy who um, introduced Salim Essa to the Guptas. By that time it was, you know, I think around about 2008, uh, Mr. Iqbal Sharma was on good speaking terms and had a good uh, business relationship and friendship with the Guptas, and he, in, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, introduced Mr. Gupta, uh, Mr. Essa to the Guptas, and they just hit it off because Mr. Essa had this uh, uh, background, had this knowledge about how government institutions are putting their tenders together, how to get big contracts how the, the, the machinery of government is working. And um, becoming friends with the Guptas, you know, he was pushed forward uh, so much so that later on Mr. Uh, former Minister Gigaba appointed uh, Salim Essa on the board of Broadband Infraco. So, uh, you know, he was uh, in the midst and, 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 and in, the, in the center of the Gupta business. And uh, he was he was the you know the rainmaker. He made the plans, and he was the guy who organized all the money flows through all these companies, these kickbacks that were paid. So much so that uh, uh, we call it a first uh, uh, um, layer, a second layer, a third layer, a fourth, a fifth layer of companies that he was put together where this uh, lots millions of rands flew through these accounts of different companies. Some of it uh, was established by himself or some of his, uh, uh, his uh, operatives. Others were just people that he used, you know, from his uh, days when he was living in Fortsburg, uh, in the community there, people and their businesses that he just used and abused to get their uh, company's uh, bank account details so that he can use those accounts to to push money through and to wash uh, certain funds, funds through. 
So he was really the plan maker. And, you know, this whole money laundering network, uh, the, the, the end goal is to get the money on the other side, to, to get the money out of the country. And if you follow the money trail in South Africa, you will see that's exactly what happened. Uh, lots of the money were made cash. Uh, you know, again, just operatives that, that he used to open a, a bank account at a foreign bank in South Africa, like a Beep Bank, for example, and where they cashed millions of rands. And we suspect, and if you look at the timeline, we suspect that these money, monies were used to make the payoffs that were, that were testified about at the Zondo Commission, where it was testified that people like Mulefe, Singh, Koko, uh, etc., were handed uh, loads of cash. Um, so if you look at the timelines, it makes sense. But the other money, uh, you know, out of the country through a very sophisticated money laundering network, some of it ended up in uh, countries in, in Eastern Africa, like uh, 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 Tanzania and uh, Malawi. Uh, bulk of the money obviously ended up in, uh, in, in, in Dubai or in the UAE. Um, and the same modus operandi was used when ESA washed the money and, you know, through a money laundering network in, uh, in Hong Kong, where he obviously where he received the, the kickbacks paid by C CRRC. So Salim ESA was a very, very important cog in the wheel uh, for, for, the, for the Guptas. He was important for them to make the plans. He knows the people. He knows the... Uh, the background and the machinery of, of government. So he was uh, a very, very important, he played a very important role for the Guptas. And uh, they, they looked after him, you know. Um, I've got inf evidence and, and, and uh, information about where Salim Issa is residing in Dubai. Um, those properties in Dubai, you know, it was bought with uh, Salim Issa being the the lead negotiator on these transactions. He was also, you know, part of the passenger list when, uh, on, in, in January 2017 when the Guptas flew out of the country, uh, you know, to Dubai in their, in their uh, private jet ZS Oak. So uh, the Guptas looked after him, they look, he looked after them, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, and it was just a very, very good relationship between these guys. If it is still a good relationship, that is, uh, that's, you know, a totally different question. Last, that information that we received was that uh, there's a bit of bad blood between Esa and the Guptas, but I cannot confirm that. But at the time, they had a very, very, very close relationship. Yes, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that tight relationship, seeing that two of the Gupta brothers are now in custody in Dubai. But, of course, Esa will first have to be extradited to South Africa to stand trial here. Tell us about that process. Is it underway? Yes, look, uh, first of all, he must be charged. Uh, without a, a charge, uh, a formal criminal charge laid against him, uh, you cannot, you know, ask for an extradition. Uh, but it was reported with the appearance of uh, Brian Mulefa, Norsh Singh and the two regiments directors a week or two ago in court, um, the NPA reported that they also has, uh, is busy uh, drafting a warrant of arrest for uh, Mr. Salim Esa, as well as a guy called uh, Ashok Narayan, who was obviously uh, very close to the Guptas as well and was one of the, you know, the main 
uh, operatives for, for, for Salim Essa as well. So as, as soon as he's charged, then you, you know, the NPA can ask the uh, UAE uh, if he's still there, and I do believe he is, for him to get extradited. But, you know, uh, a criminal charge is, is, is the first step. Rudy, let's chat briefly about the very significant Transnet arrests last week. We didn't think we would, would see Brian Molefe and Anosh Singh's arrest so soon for their involvement in Transnet and ESCOM capture. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, first of all, it was a significant step forward for you know, the fight against corruption and to bring the state capture uh, looters to book and to hold them accountable. Um, so a big up there for, for, for the National Prosecuting Authority, for the Hawks, for the uh, ID, you know, played a very important role to get these guys in court. Um, I think, uh, you know, with the involvement of Alta and myself uh, in that investigation, uh, I am very confident that, there's a, that the state will have a, a very strong case. Um, I've seen the evidence, uh, and, and one thing that is encouraging is that um, the, the NPA shifted their focus a bit in the sense that previously they would have uh, tried to, and that was the talk at the time, try to get you know the big state capture case, the big transnet case before court with 50, 60 accused. And uh, from back in the day, I advised and I said that you should break down these cases so that you can have 10 or 15 accused before court Otherwise, you will litigate until, um, you know, for, for the rest of, the li of, uh, of your lives. I, I said to one of the investigating officers, a colonel, if you do it that way, you will be a general by the time, uh, you know, you get a, you get a ruling on this, on this matter. So, uh, luckily, they've, um, you know, changed the approach. And I think this is, this is very significant because you still have the core of the accused, you know, in court. You have a very simpler case and an easier case now, and there's less uh, chance to, you know, for, for interlocutories and to, you know, the, 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 the Stalingrad um, uh, that we know about uh, will, not, you know, will not be that easy to, to, to apply here because I think that it's easier or it will be easier for the state to be ready and that they will uh, hopefully as soon as as maybe the next appearance, hand over the docket and the contents of the docket to the defense attorneys so that, you know, we can have a trial uh, to, uh, starting early next year, hopefully. But um, they also said, and I've, like I've mentioned before, there's a warrant of arrests out for, for Salim Essa and Ashok Narayan. I also believe that on this specific case, there should be uh, a warrants out for Atul Gupta and his wife Chetali, because Sahara received a lot of this money, Sahara Computers, and at the time, uh, Atul and his wife were the directors of Sahara. So I foresee that there will be, you know, another four accused uh, that, will, that will also appear in court, and hopefully then, um, you know, the docket or the contents of the docket can be handed to the defense attorneys, and we can start with a trial. And hopefully by then, you know, the extradition a process uh, has been a success and we can have all the accused in a South African court to face to face the music. Really, then it seems like Ajay Gupta may escape justice in South Africa because he was sly enough to avoid putting hand on paper 
in any contracts involving state capture. Please tell us a bit more about how he's evading justice. Yes, it was uh, uh, Ajay Gupta, the eldest brother of the of the three Gupta brothers. Um, uh, if I can put it bluntly, he was he, he was the clever one. Uh, he never, you know, took on South African citizenship. Number one, uh, he was, uh, for the exception of one company, and I will come back to that. He was he never took up a directorship uh, or a role as a director in any of the Gupta companies in South Africa. And although his whole family, his mother, his wife, his children, uh, his brothers and their close families, they were all naturalized to become South African citizens, Ajay Gupta didn't go that route. The directorship that he had was uh, in a small publishing company together with uh, Mr. Esso Pahat. Um, later on, you know, uh, I, I think you will recall the magazine uh, The Thinker, that was uh, Mr. Pahat's uh, uh, um, brainchild, but that relationship also, you know, broken down, and nothing really went on in that uh, in that company, and it, it and it went dormant. So Jack Gupta is. It will be very very difficult to charge him, um, you know, on anything here in South Africa. Uh, his name is on the list of and only sanctioned uh, in the UK and at the and, and in the US. But other than that, it will be very difficult to charge him in South Africa. Um, uh, but it also shows you the kind of person he is. You know, uh, uh, his whole family, even like I said, his mother, his nieces, his cousins, his, uh, his brothers and their wives. He pushed them to become South African citizens, to, uh, pick, uh, to put up this BEE front, to get all these contracts from, you know, distributing of the New Age, new, uh, new Age newspaper, to uh, coal contracts with ESCOM, uh, you know, he pushed them forward to get that in their uh, capacity as directors of, of companies. But Ajay Gupta, I must say, uh, if he sees South Africa again, it will be, uh, you know, because he comes here to visit on a holiday or something. But criminally, it's going to be difficult to get our hands on, uh, on the eldest brother. So what you're saying is he may not see the inside of a South African prison, but can he then uh, maybe be prosecuted in any other country, maybe under something like the Magnitsky Act or in India? Yes, obviously. Um, you know, uh, uh, if he, if he um, uh, transacts in uh, US dollars, obviously uh, not only him, but also the other party that transacts with him can be prosecuted. And uh, him being a um, Indian citizen still, um, the, I know that the the Indian government and their um, uh, uh, collector of revenue, inland revenue, looked at him. Uh, looks like his tax affairs were not up to date at one stage. But that is the kind of um, let's say criminal activities that can be looked in uh, or by authorities in foreign countries. Um, but in South Africa, it's going to be difficult. But uh, I mean, obviously, if he breaks the law in any any other country, uh, then he will have to he will have to face the music there. Thank you, Rudy Eineke, for sharing your insights into all these state capture matters with us listeners. I'm Ilse Salzfeder, presenter of Outer Insights. 
If you like Altos work, please consider donating to them. To do that, simply click on alta.co.za and click on the Join Now button. And if you found the podcast insightful, please share it with your friends.